0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm all by myself for the introduction, and I'm very excited because not only is this a bonus episode, but it's a big library read bonus episode. So if you're listening to the podcast for the first time because you discovered it, the Big Library Read Global uh, Book Club. Hello, welcome. My name is Adam, and just a little bit, you'll hear my co-host Jill as well. Because what we're doing today is we are interviewing Michael McCreary, who is the author of the latest Big Library Read title, "Funny You Don't Look Autistic: A Comedian's Guide to Life on the Spectrum." Uh, so Michael is a comedian, and he also happens to have autism spectrum disorder. So we had a really Really great conversation about why he wrote the book. You're going to realize early on if you're reading the book now or if you're waiting to hear this interview to then read the book. He's very young, but he wrote a memoir um, in his early 20s because he had something to share with the world. And it's a wonderful book about how he has lived his life with autism spectrum disorder and how people who also have ASD can uh, maybe adjust and find ways to cope a little bit better in in their lives but it's also a way for people who don't have autism spectrum disorder to better understand what is going on in people's you know minds and in the lives of people who do so it's just it's a really powerful book i think you're really going to love it and this conversation is great. Michael is hilarious. He's a really funny guy. This was so much fun to talk to him. Um, so that's, that's going to come up in just a moment. But first, I want to give you a little bit of detail about the Big Library Read program. Um, and then we'll, we'll get to the interview. So if you're a normal listener who's never taken part in the Big Library Read program, uh, what it is is a global... Digital Book Club. So from March 30th through April 13th, if you go on the Reading App Libby or if you go to your library's Overdrive website, you're going to see front and center uh, this title, Funny, you don't look autistic. It's available as an ebook and as an audiobook. So you're gonna be able to borrow it without any wait lists or holds. And then what you can do as you're reading it or once you finish it, either way, you can go to biglibrary.com and join our discussion board. And there'll be questions there and topics and jumping off points so you can have conversations with, conversations with people all around the world about this really, really important title, that uh, this really important book that Michael has written. In addition to all that good stuff that you can do for the coming weeks, you also have the ability to win a Samsung Galaxy tablet courtesy of Overdrive. And to do that, all you have to y- do is use the hashtag BigLibraryRead on social media throughout the event. So again, March 30th through april 13th uh just use the hashtag tell people that you're you're enjoying the big library program whatever it is you want to say then you'll be entered to win a uh, samsung galaxy tablet if you are new to our podcast uh, you can always subscribe to us by going to professionalbooknerds.com there you'll also find links to our social we're on twitter and instagram at pro We do author interviews every Monday, and we do book recommendation episodes every Thursday. So you can subscribe in iTunes, in Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And if this is your first podcast, hello, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, That is, I think, just about everything that is pertinent for this introduction. So I won't keep you guys waiting any longer. I'm going to let you get to our interview with Michael McCreary on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Adam and Jill again, and we are extremely excited to be joined by Michael McCurry, who is a stand-up comedian, author, and advocate who is raising awareness for autism spectrum disorder. His book, Funny, You Don't Look Autistic, A Comedian's Guide to Life on the Spectrum, was selected as the next Big Library Read title. Uh, Big Library Read is the world's first global ebook club through your library, and what that means is through from March 30th through April 13th, You can borrow Michael's book through your Public Library's Overdrive website or the app Libby completely for free without any waitlists or holds. And then you can go to biglibrary.com and join our discussion board and uh, connect with people all around the world and discuss this book together. And first, we're going to discuss the book right now with Michael. So first off, Michael, thank you for joining us today. It's My pleasure, Adam. Thanks for having me
1: on the show.
2: Can you start by introducing our listeners to your book?
1: Yeah, of course. It's uh, uh, my book is a loose memoir uh, that I uh, uh, let me start over again. It's kind of it's kind of a we'll uh, th- th- get into a lot of stories about the making of the book, but really, <laughs> my book it is using my own experiences uh, 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 from my life on the spectrum to uh, illustrate what it's like to have ASD to an outsider looking in.
0: So, uh, people may notice if they look up your website or if they listen to your voice, you're, you're pretty young still. So what made you want to write a memoir so early on in your life?
1: Uh, I, I, I didn't actually want to write, um, no, I, uh, I, I, I was tapped by, uh, the good people at, uh, Press. They, um, uh, they, uh, the Robert Munch people, they uh, came, and uh, they'd seen some of my stand-up. They saw me perform uh, a couple of shows, and they asked me if I'd be interested in uh, uh, in writing a book explaining ASD to kids. And originally, the uh, I think the first couple drafts of that book um, uh, was more like a collection of, like, say uh, – puzzles for uh, very young kids, so like crossword puzzles, Mad Libs, etc. that sort of illustrated what ASD is uh, by way of games that kids could wrap their heads around, but they seemed to enjoy the uh, autobiographical anecdotes more than like the little blurbs and such. So they asked me if I could just write about my story up till now. Uh, which which uh, was quite a challenge because I, I hope it's not over yet. That was uh, <laughs>
2: I know you're a big fan of film and cinema, and your book does a really wonderful job of dispelling a lot of the misconceptions about ASD. Are there other, uh, are there any films or actors that you think do a really good job of portraying somebody with ASD?
1: I, you know, I I think that there's um. I think there's been some good books, but most of those uh, portrayals have been fairly incidental. Uh, Great author, Australian author, uh, Graham Simpson, wrote uh, a trilogy of books called The Rosie Trilogy, I strongly recommend, where uh, the character was not written uh, in the first book. The protagonist was not written with autism in mind, Uh, but there there was such a strong response from uh, self-advocates uh, that he kind of incorporated that into uh, the protagonist characterization as the uh, as the story developed. Uh, but, I mean, for him, the funny thing was he said, well, I mean, I, I just kind of worked with a lot of IT guys, and these are just the people that I know. But you asked about movies. I, I don't think that – I think there is yet to be a movie I've seen uh, that isn't a documentary that has really – uh, presented autism in a way that felt truly human. I, I think such is the case with a lot of uh, movies dealing with neurological variations or psychological ones. Uh, inevitably, you are beholden to a checklist of quirks where you're like, "Okay, well, we got to tap this, we got to tap this, we got to talk about all these things," uh, which is impossible for autism because, uh, as I illustrate in my book, it's part of a spectrum. Uh, so to say that you're going to create an all imp- uh, an all-encompassing uh uh depiction of autism is is that like that's wholly inaccurate you have 7.1 billion people on the planet a percentage of that is, has asd that's that's impossible there's going to be too many different cases i mean uh like uh, and i mean like right down to the fact is like i don't know is the character verbal or are they nonverbal? it doesn't land so i think to me uh like the best uh, the characters that I've most identified with uh, from an autistic reading uh, have been characters that were written without autism initially in mind. They just made a mm-hmm. character. So uh, the example I'd go to to answer your question after 15 minutes uh, <laughs> would be uh, Barry Egan, Adam Sandler's character from Punch Drunk Love, who mm-hmm. was not written with autism in mind. I mean, P.T. Anderson just was a huge fan of... I think in his work, he was a huge fan of Big Daddy and just wanted to work with Adam Sandler uh, and wanted to play with the premise of dropping Adam Sandler's comic character into real, into the real world, which, instead of being kind of slapsticky and zany, instead becomes very sad. Like, in a very funny, um, uh, very funny way, but in a very uncomfortable way, mm-hmm. too, you know? Uh, but watching that movie, I kind of went, oh, yeah, this guy, uh, <laughs> this guy's in the club. <laughs> so... Along those lines,
0: your stand-up that you do is a lot about your living with ASD. So how does comedy help you better explain what it's like to live with autism spectrum disorder?
1: Sure. Uh, Yeah, talking about stand-up. Well, to break it down, uh, one of the major characteristics of autism as you've probably been on the receiving end of it of this of this, uh, of this uh, episode so far, <laughs> is that. We like to go on a bit about uh, a very small handful of interest. In my case, it could be film. Basically, uh, one of the major facets of autism is that if you discover something early on that that you like, it clicks with you, it's with you forever, and you find any and all means to talk about that interest ad nauseum to as many people as possible. Which is basically what stand-up is. <laughs> so to me, that's kind of that—that's that, sort of why I really, uh, really dug stand-up. Because to me, I went, "Oh, I just got to talk to a room full of strangers forever. That's fun." They—they
0: <laughs> they, uh, they can't actually shout out. They're not supposed to. They—they ha- they sit there. You have a very captive
1: audience. Not always, but I mean, you know, I don't really care. I've gotten into this business to talk, not to make friends. It's, uh, you said that, that No, it's, uh, it, like, the reason I think people get stand-up is, uh, like, uh, is that, it, and I think just, like, and this is applicable to sketch or uh, any other kind of comedy uh, uh, sub-genre, is you... Are always condensing information. You have to make it as, I won't say universal, but you have to make the information economical and accessible. So the more you like truncate the information, you, you get, you, you just start focusing on like, okay, what's the important information that the audience needs to understand? And people end up remembering things more. One, because they laugh and then they repeat it to other people and that sticks in their mind, almost like a song. But, uh, but, uh, but two, because they just, the, the, it, it was just short. Like, it's just, they didn't hear a long-winded speech like I'm giving you now. They, uh, they heard, like, a, like they heard a joke. And they go, oh, okay, that land, that, that, that makes sense to me.
2: You said at the beginning that you didn't really set out to write the memoir. They came to you. So did you find it challenging, then, to write the memoir?
1: Oh, it was so difficult. And for that, I really have to thank my uh, wonderful editor, Paula Ayer who was uh, uh, so much fun it, uh, just, again, uh, to talk to. Uh, the, basically, I came to them with an outline that they really liked. And uh, really, it was just a lot of... Uh, uh, because, again, uh, I, it was, I was completely foreign, uh, foreign to, to, to writing in this kind of style because, as I said earlier, stand-up, uh, you're only beholden to how much time you have. So when people go, you have 10 minutes, you have 15 minutes, maybe you even have two minutes, but whatever you do within that time, that's have fun like the jokes themselves can be as long or as short as they as they need to be to get the response you want but with this what was so difficult was they say okay it's this many pages but then it's like you know with 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 long-form narrative it's like okay well you know it's got to flow it can't just be like you know stories of varying size. There's got to be like sort of a a sense of structure and a sense of progression. And for me, like the biggest challenge was just going, most of my big struggles came in the first little pocket of my life up until I discovered stand-up. So the really hard thing was going, what went wrong after that? (laughs) You know, it's uh, that that would that would be able to fill up the rest of a book. And uh, Paula was really great uh, uh, to talk to and to sort of uh, set me on the right path uh, creatively speaking,
0: there are a number of visual components to your book as well. Uh, people can see them in the ebook, and then you can also get them if you're listening to the audiobook. You mentioned in the audiobook where they can find them, which is great. What made you want to add these visual components to the book?
1: Uh, I needed to meet a word count, <laughs> and they were. <laughs> And they were holdovers from the uh, from the first draft I was talking about earlier. So, like the whole thing with, like the 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 uh, the Mad Lib that explains social skills and like boring pleasantries and stuff. That's that's all like just hangers on from uh, from an earlier draft. <laughs> they they do help
0: young readers, though. I mm-hmm. I imagine. Oh, yeah,
1: no, because because they're simple. Mm-hmm. It's what I was talking about with jokes. It's just uh, people can wrap their head around it because they go, oh, that was short. Like, I didn't need to read a whole book to figure that out. Hopefully people read the rest of the book. I would rather <laughs> that.
2: You've done a number of events now connected with uh, Dr. Temple Grandin. What is something that you took away from all of your interactions with her?
1: Oh, man. She, um, uh, I God, I, uh... I tell so many Dr. Grandin stories, and I'm just hoping she doesn't hear this. I, uh... <laughs> I, um... No, I... I I'm trying to think of it, just one like nugget of wisdom that she told me, because uh, like the thing that uh, the, the the temple's always sort of uh, kind of jokingly harangued me about, or maybe not joking, I don't know. But she, uh, but every time she's like, I hope he's not just doing autism jokes, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to. So like just she just she's worried about me getting potentially pigeonholed, and I think that she's a uh, she's a really great source of guidance for a lot of young uh, self advocates who are uh, who are trying to distinguish themselves. And I think for her, like her big thing is going like, "Hey, don't be purely about this thing." Uh, but uh, but I think like the thing that always stuck with me, and this is going to sound really weird, is uh, the reminder that as uh, as intimidated. As you may be by someone's uh, track record, like you look at uh, Temple Grandin as a leading figure in world uh, uh, agriculture, uh, like whatever whatever their resume may look like. At the end of the day, people are are still human in the sense that they can enjoy having a conversation about how much they hated the latest Batman movie, which I had with her. Mm-hmm. She's uh, <laughs> she's awesome. She has she's a huge Batman fan, Did not like the Nolan trilogy, which was kind of cool because uh, I'm not really keen on them either save for Batman Begins but we're getting off topic now she, um, <laughs> she said this she said oh whatever it's okay we, we need to pad the runtime." so she had, this, uh, she had this one speech where she was like Batman's gotten real nasty used to be a pillar of community what's he now an authoritarian and then miss his theme song and then she sang the theme song <laughs> I love your Dr. Grandin and yeah, impression. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Thanks. It's, uh, I always describe her as she's like the surly police commissioner of the autism world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Diamond McCrary, I've gone too far. Oh. Yeah, she's, she's
0: great. I didn't send you this ahead of time, but I am curious, as a fan of movies, what are some of your favorite movies? I, I feel like this is a good opportunity for some recommendations. Yeah.
1: This is sick, and none of them have anything to do with autism. However, if I could recommend a couple of wonderful uh, movies about autism, uh, there there are two documentaries. They're very short. They're under about 90 minutes. One is a great movie uh, by a wonderful filmmaker uh, filmmaker named Alex Lehman, who's gone on to do a bunch of movies with uh, Mark DePlace, which are both very good, worth checking out. One's called Paddleton. The other one's called Blue Jay. But uh, he made a documentary called Asperger's Are Us, which is about a, uh, a troupe, uh, a comedy troupe of, uh, of uh, self-advocates who are doing one last hurrah before, uh, you know, they all have to, before some of them go off to post-secondary. and some, it's, 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 it's like Stand By Me. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and there's, a, there's another uh, one that, uh, excuse the title, uh, but it's, uh, it's a really good movie. It's called The Special Need, which is about... Uh, uh, like a twenty-something autistic guy in uh, in Italy who goes on a cross-country odyssey uh, to lose his virginity. Excuse <laughs> the name. Excuse the premise. Is actually one of the most like I, like it, like it was it was I, I think it was incredibly moving. It was like a great sort of fly on the wall kind of movie. And he's very funny, and his friends are very funny. So those are two movies about ASD that I can't recommend enough. If I can recommend just one movie, that. I used to think they have a favorite, but it's like it's a revolving door. Mm-hmm. But if I could recommend one that I love, uh, Phantom of the Paradise. It's uh it's it's a it's a masterpiece. <laughs> Go check it out. It's from the uh, the early seventies. It's uh one of Brian De Palma's earliest movies. It's very fun. William Finley is the Phantom and he just just incredible and uh, I believe Paul Williams uh, does a lot of the uh uh did, did the uh i don't know if he did the score or just the songs but it's just it's uh i'm not a musical guy but it's uh it's a musical for people who hate musicals it's awesome.
2: <laughs> well we're people who love musicals that yeah. that's actually sounds really good yeah. So I may have to <laughs> oh yeah
1: check it out it's so charming uh, no it's great
2: so as our uh last question what do you want readers to take away from your book
1: yeah, uh, just the feeling that you're not alone. Uh I wanted to write the book with both uh, sel- uh with both uh people with ASD in mind but also neurotypicals where uh my two intents were one to sort of dispel myths and uh and introduce people to uh uh different uh I'm going to say I uh, uh, with 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 different I don't know what, what you call them, characterization or whatever, but like a different uh, presentation of autism than you might, be, uh, might not be used to. And that's not just with me. That's also with my little brother and the story and a bunch of the friends that I interact with as I go through life. Uh, so that's for the neurotypical audience. But for the autistic audience, uh, my intention was to sort of uh, uh, to basically tell anyone that uh, whether they've already been diagnosed or have yet to be, or are looking for some kind of catharsis in that regard, it's to go, hey, uh, you're not alone.
2: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com.